So today is the third Sunday of Advent. Um, it's actually um, known in some parts of the church as uh, Gaudete Sunday. And that comes from a Latin phrase, Gaudete Semper Domine. Where's Rachel? So what, what, what do we have, Rachel? Rejoice in the Lord always. It's a, it's a Latin phrase and it's the hymn of the ancient church on this particular day of Advent. And on this particular day, Mary is celebrated in the Orthodox Church and um, there is always a pink candle lit. So um, we bought in our very Orthodox Advent wreath and we're going to have a, the lighting of a pink candle to celebrate Mary. Don't worry, I'm not becoming a Catholic. But we are going to light the pink candle a little bit later. Um, for the uh, Advent calendar, today is a day when people who um, might well be fasting uh, during Advent break their fast. And for churches that don't have flowers in them, they put flowers in them and they break their fast. And they have a real day of joy and celebration during Advent. So I believe that today is a day of great joy for us all. Mary is actually one of my favourite characters in the Bible. Um, it's no coincidence that we called our second daughter Mary. Uh, Mary is a remarkable woman. Um, the dictionary um, definition of Advent is the arrival of a notable person or event, the dawning of a new season, the origin of something. So you might have heard the advent of the motor car or the advent of the aeroplane. That's the kind of way it's used. And um, the root Latin word of um, Advent comes from the verb veneri, which is to come. It's all about coming. Um, so the early church, they always, always had a hymn that they spoke out, that they sang out, come Lord Jesus, come quickly, come quickly. And sadly, a lot of the church in the 21st century doesn't even believe that Jesus is coming back or that he will come now. So we want to say, even so, Jesus, come, come quickly. Um, for us as Christians, Advent has many different facets. It's a time to look back. It's a time to look back to men and women of the past who we could describe as voices, voices crying in a culture on a spiritual wilderness, make way prepare the way of the Lord. It's um, a time when we can celebrate those incredible Hebrew patriarchs, Abraham and Moses and Jacob and Isaac, who actually prophesied what was going to come, future hope. Um, they actually um, died without receiving the ultimate fulfillment of their promises because the ultimate thing they believed was that Jesus would be born and that Jesus would die and that Jesus would return. And yet they were people of great faith, um, described as a great cloud of witnesses. So we're not alone, we're surrounded by angels and archangels and by those who've gone before and those who are praising in heaven. It's an amazing time of belonging to something far greater than our little local church here, and that's pretty good. So, it's also a time to look back to the birthday of Jesus and to celebrate his birthday. It's a time to spiritually wake up. The early church also used to say during Advent some verses from Ephesians, Wake up, sleeper, rise from death, and the light of Christ will shine upon you. It's quite interesting that in the West, in England, it's actually a dark, sleepy time when we're celebrating Advent. So we get this kind of feel, it's really time to wake up again because we're in this kind of winter hibernation. 
Um, it's a time to realise that we are created for significance. I believe that some of us uh, have a longing for significance. This is a time to know that we are significant. We have come from somewhere and we are people of destiny. We are going somewhere. It's a time to be watchful, to be on the watch. I actually got a photograph on my desk of our son Ben, who was a Royal Marine for a long time. And I don't know where it was taken. I don't know if it was taken in Iraq. And he's just watching, just standing there watching, gun at his side. And I thought, that sums it up. Every fibre of his being is watching. We are called to be watch people. And uh, Jesus himself said, watch out, wake up. I might suddenly return and find you asleep. Be on your guard. Wake up. And uh, so it's a time to wake up. Um, and it's a time of waiting. And there's a lot of encouragement in Scripture to be patient in a time of waiting. This is what James said, says. As you wait, be patient. Just like a farmer looks over his crops and watches the weather. Strengthen yourselves. The coming of the Lord is near. Don't complain. Didn't we have a magnificent Mary and Joseph? Thank you so much. And that just kind of prompts us to, to pray um, for the, the last bit of the wait. It's going to be an amazing celebration in January. And we really want to pray that these two and this lovely um, baby that God is giving them will know great joy, enormous joy. I believe that is what the Lord has for you both. Just joy that you've never experienced in your lives. It's going to be a great time. We'll celebrate with you. So um, it, we had a lovely Mary and Joseph. Um, now we're going to read the story of um, the angel coming to Mary, to the Virgin Mary, together. So we've got a PowerPoint that will come up, and I want us all to, to read this together. Okay? So, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, fresh to marriage, to a man named Joseph. A discernment and created. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary, 
destiny be fulfilled, and then the angel left her. And in other versions of the Bible, um, Mary says, let it be, let it be according to your word. That's one of the most famous statements of God's word. May this be, let it be. So it's a very familiar story and it's so easy to lose the impact of it, to, to kind of lose the feel of what was going on and to not get under the flesh and bones of the people and inside the culture. It's impossible for any of us to imagine how it was for Mary, that's male or female. She was a teenager living a, a very simple, God-fearing life. Um, she was dreaming of being married to the man she loved and the future they would enjoy together and suddenly her ordinary life was interrupted. She was told she would have a baby conceived by the Holy Spirit. It's just huge that, it's absolutely enormous. The Lord is with you were words that Mary didn't take lightly. This for Mary was a moment when she had a profound encounter with the kind of otherliness of God, the mystery of God, creator, sustainer of the universe, God who is beyond our knowing in one sense, God who reigns and dwells on high, God who always has been. This was a moment for her of incredible awe. She uh, was actually described as being greatly um, troubled. I think that's a little bit of an understatement. And commentators um, who are looking at the Greek words say that that's, that's very lost in the translation. So the Greek words suggest something like she was deeply agitated. She went on arguing and, and wondering what this was about. It's also, um, the Greek words are in the imperfect tense, which means she goes on. She went on arguing. She went on being distressed. She went on wondering what on earth this was all about. Um, she went on being anxious and unnerved. And I think that is so reassuring for us because things happen to us where we have encounters with God and we just cannot make sense of them. And we need to engage with him and, and with other people to try and sort of work out what it is that God has, has come to us and, and done and said. Um, so she was a devout Jew and she would probably rem be remembering other people who ang had angelic visitations. So Abraham and Moses and Joshua and Isaiah. These were all the greats, the, the amazing people. Some of them were her ancestors as well. And she would have been actually thinking about those people. But I think she might have been thinking about a character called Gideon. He was quite ordinary. He was unremarkable. Um, he, was, he was a bit off on a one. And uh, the angel of the Lord came to him and said, the Lord is with you. And he had a task for, um, for Gideon. And the conversation went something like this. The Lord is with me. You must be joking. I'm the weakest, most unlikely person in my family for God to choose. I think there are a few people here who might have said that in their time. But the Lord is with us is something profound that changes everything. Mary would have experienced all those kind of emotions that are common to every um, mum, particularly pregnant with her first baby. So the unknown is very daunting. It's very exciting. And, and we always have those questions, well, how will I cope? How will I cope with the birth? How will I know what to do? Um, and then she would have wondered about her engagement to Joseph. How on earth 
would Joseph begin to understand this? And then there was that she would be a social outcast. Um, it, was, it was considered really, really shameful to have a baby out of wedlock at that time. And then the question that many of us have had, that I have as I look at my grandchildren actually, what kind of world are we bringing these children into? But actually I think we must remember that the world then was pretty, pretty bad and in some ways as hard as it is now. There was a tyrannical leader, Herod, um, there was uh, Roman occupation and actually the mortality rate for mother and baby um, was very, very high. So there was the worry, will this baby actually live? And yet in those moments, Mary spoke profound words of total surrender to God. Let it be, I am willing, I surrender myself totally, completely, unreservedly to you. In that moment, her faith journey began. And I believe that this morning there are some people who maybe would like to pray that prayer for the first time. There'll be opportunity uh, when we worship at the end. If you've never prayed that prayer, Jesus, I surrender myself to you completely. Whatever it means, I am willing. Mary had no idea of the joy or the pain that her obedience would entail. She had no idea that she would have to watch her precious firstborn son tortured and crucified. She was one who had to uh, learn to wait through the toughest of days. I quite like to imagine that after all she'd gone through, when she was a bit older and um, she was doing a lot with the disciples, she had quite a lot to teach them about waiting and what it was all about. And it's really interesting that one of the very last instructions that Jesus gave to his disciples um, just before they were taken up, Jesus was taken up from them in a cloud. His last instruction, does anyone know what it was? One word? Wait. It was wait. And Advent is all about waiting and we don't like waiting. Um, and then we read um, Mary and um, some other women and Jesus' <coughs> friends went to the upper room they had been using as a meeting place. They agreed they were in this for good, completely together in prayer. The women, Jesus' mother, Mary and his brothers. And I think that's probably the first missional community. It's amazing. They were in this together, they were waiting, and they were in prayer. They didn't really know what would happen, but they knew they had a mission and that Jesus had asked them to do something, wait for the Holy Spirit. So, Mary is also described as a person who treasured things in her heart. She's what we would call perhaps a contemplative. Um, and in the time in which she lived, wonderfully, there was no possibility of posting it on the Facebook or for it going global at the press of a button. She just treasured these things in her heart. And she was filled with the presence of the living God. And that brought her incredible joy. She was the happiest woman on earth. And I believe that is what God has for us all. Those of us who are filled with the presence of God are the happiest people on earth. And the world is looking to see joy-filled, happy people. Um, I've asked Margaret to come and do a reading. It's kind of more like a song, really. I think it's the most incredible prophetic song. I don't know if she's going to sing it or not. I don't want me to sing it. 
I particularly I've got to light Margaret the candle because as well. Margaret pours out joy. She receives the joy of the Lord and she just pours it out over people. And I thought this was a great song. She's also going to light the pink candle. <laughs> Come on, brilliant. I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Saviour God. God took one good look at me and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy, set apart from all others. His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. He bared his arm and showed his strength, scattered the bluffing braggarts. He knocked tyrants off their high horses, pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. He embraced his chosen child, Israel. He remembered and piled on the mercies, piled them high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham and right up to now. Thank you, can I just keep that there? Thank you, Margaret. So that is that um, song that Margaret spoke out is actually traditionally called Mary's Magnificat. Um, some of you might, who are used to that, reading the church calendar, knowing the church calendar, will know it as that. It's in the Book of Luke, um, and Margaret actually read it from the, uh, the message. I'm going to ask a question, and I don't want anyone to put their hands up. This is a deeply personal question. Can you say? I'm bursting with good news. Can you say I'm dancing the song of my Saviour God? Can you say I'm the most fortunate person on earth? Can you say what God has done for me will never be forgotten? Because I believe the Lord wants us to be a community of people who are bursting with that, who go out and tell people, who go out and show that. And I believe that if you're struggling to be able to say that, this morning the Lord wants to fill you again with his Holy Spirit, to bring you healing, to bring you freedom, so that you can actually say, I'm bursting with good news, because that's what the world is looking for. I actually... Uh, I prayed a lot about what I wanted to say this morning, and I had a sense that, um, this is something quite particular, that there are a few people here who would really love to be able to sing that song that Mary sang. It's not they don't believe it, it's not they don't mean it, but they just can't sing it. And they would love um, to be a person who was bursting with good news of great joy, but they feel very inhibited and very self-conscious. And I believe that this morning is a time for um, the Holy Spirit to, to bring us into a place where we can truly say, we'll go out saying, the Holy Spirit has come to me, he's filled me, he's changed me, and I'm bursting with good news. So, it's a long wait for us, Advent. Life is a long wait. Advent will mean something very different to all of us. So for some, it means calendars and chocolates. For some, it means too much hype and stress about the big day. 
particularly for parents, I think. It means uh, too many school plays, too many carol services, too much late-night shopping, too much excitement that we cannot contain, and tiredness at the end of term. That's what it often is for parents. Some people, and I came from a tradition that was like this, would dismiss Advent as an obsolete religious tradition. We don't need that any longer. We don't do that. We don't do the festivals. <coughs> That's sad. Um, for other people, the anticipation of Christmas forces people to um, look at things that come up to the surface that we'd rather keep locked away. Unfulfilled longings, long-term disappointment, uh, broken relationships. It's also a time when we often think about friends and family who are no longer with us. It's a time when life's losses can become very raw for everyone. If we're honest, most of us get um, rather frustrated and bored with, with waiting, okay? Show of hands, you get bored when you have to wait a long time for something. I get very bored and very frustrated. Um, so, the activists amongst us, and I'm a bit of an activist, are happiest when we have a good project to work on and we know what we're doing and you know, we know where we're going and, and we, our creativity um, flows. We love that. Uh, and it makes me feel as if I can do something in a time of waiting um, when I've got a project on the go. Waiting is not something we can learn in five easy steps. It's not a challenge that can be ticked off a list. It's not a task that can be ticked off a list. And I believe this is absolutely crucial for some of us. It's a challenge for some of us who like to feel in control of every aspect of our lives. Waiting is uncomfortable because it reveals those parts of our lives over which we have absolutely no control. Waiting for difficult circumstances to change is hard. We can find our faith dwindling, we can become bored and discontent and disillusioned. Let's just remember God's word to us. I am with you always. He is Emmanuel, God with us, in those times where we wait for difficult circumstances to change. A long, long time ago, um, when the, it, our children were little and we had pews, dark wooden pews, and the church was facing this way, one Sunday I was sitting at the back probably with the kids and I suddenly heard some words that I'd heard many, many, many times before, but I'd never really woken up to what they were about. They were simply Jesus' words, I am with you always to the end of the age. I had no idea why in that moment Jesus spoke those words and they changed me completely. I believe we need to be watching. There are words that are familiar that the Holy Spirit wants to wake up and bring to life for us all. God sees and he knows every detail of your life and of my life. There's not one part of our circumstances that has escaped him. You will remember, if you know the story of Jesus, that um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he faced certain and imminent death, he pleaded with his father, I don't like going through this. I can't go through it. Please, please, I don't want to do this. And there's something wonderfully reassuring for us in our humanity that even Jesus pleaded with his Father. 
but he came to that same moment of submission and surrender as Mary came to. Let it be. I'm willing. I'm absolutely willing. And uh, Jesus sees and he knows. He knows what our humanity is all about. And he wants to come to us in the time of waiting. Jesus warned in that garden, watch and pray so that you don't enter into temptation. Waiting for answer to a particular prayer is very hard. But we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us to be patient. Do you know God's word says, you don't have because you don't ask. Again, something you don't need to answer. When was the last time? Not when you were in church, not time when, when you were focused on the presence of God and worshipping. When you said to the Holy Spirit in your everyday life, please come, I ask for you to come, I can't deal with this. The Holy Spirit comes when we ask. He loves to be invited in. Try it. It's amazing when we ask the Holy Spirit to come. And God's word says, you don't have because you don't ask. Another question, when was the ta last time you asked, Holy Spirit, please come? We can ask the Holy Spirit to be our counsellor. I like to describe the Holy Spirit as, as the 24-7 therapist. He's always with us, we don't have to pay for him. He always gets it right. He's, he's just always willing to help us um, come into our inner lives as our counsellor. Um, he helps us to, uh, to come to a place where Jesus softens our hard hearts. He actually helps us to take our eyes off ourselves and our own inner dramas, because that's what happens, those obsessions and dramas that we go over and over and over about. The Holy Spirit comes and he helps us to take our eyes off that and onto Jesus. He, um, the Holy Spirit helps us to um, actually become much more self-aware, aware of who we are, aware of our significance, aware of who God's created us to be. If you struggle with insignificance and low self-esteem, ask the Holy Spirit to help you become aware of who Jesus has created you to be. A child of God. And Jesus promises you will know the truth in the waiting time. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free to trust Jesus with all your heart. That is my testimony, and I know what it's like to wait. Waiting for new direction in our lives is something that's really hard. And I guess, Fraser and I have been through something a little bit of that for a couple of years. And it's not an easy uh, journey. We can easily be, find ourselves becoming bored and passive. Um, it's, um, we can... Um, we can just give up in a way and kind of get settled and get comfy and, and do things that make us feel, that kind of placate us. But actually, we need to be very active as we wait for new direction in our lives. It's a great time waiting to discover what Jesus meant when he said, man will not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, every word that God speaks. We can learn to taste and see that the Lord is good. He is so good. And in a time of waiting, we can start to taste him in a new way and feed on him in our hearts. Jesus says that his Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. 
all truth about what he has to do for us, about how he wants us to be, about how he sees us. We are beautiful and significant, made in the image of a creator God, made to flourish. That's what he has for us, and that's what the world wants to hear about. Waiting is a great opportunity to embrace the present moment and to celebrate the presence of God in the most mundane experiences of our lives and the routine aspects of our daily lives. I'm going to be quite honest, I get quite bored with the kind of routine and the mundane, the stuff you have to do, the stuff at home and just that kind of dull stuff. And over the past couple of years I've been on a journey um, uh, I suppose it's a, it's a pilgrimage really, a prayer pilgrimage. It's, it's taken me a whole year, it's been very intentional. And I have to say that one of the most remarkable things that's happened on this journey is that I've learned to delight in the ordinary things of life. And actually that's when God speaks to me now more than anything. Putting the bins out, doing the shopping list, all of those things. They are all part of our humanity and God will speak to us in those times as we wait. Waiting is a time to learn to be thankful in all circumstances. This is what St Paul said. <laughs> the Lord is near. He's as near as he was to Mary when an angel came to her. He says, rejoice, give thanks in all circumstances and the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. Waiting is a great time to learn to listen in a new way. I remember when Aid was doing a preach not that long ago. I can't remember which preach it was, but it was about hearing God. It was right at the beginning of the, um, the Rabbi and the Dust series. And it was the fact that sometimes we can become so um, focused and fixated on how we think God's going to answer a prayer, what we're asking him to do, that we might actually be missing what he wants to say and do to us. And I think that's really, really important. If we can try and stand back from how we think God's going to work, when he's going to work, and just say, here I am, Lord, I want to hear in a new way. And I think it's a time for us to read scriptures in a new way. I am. Um, that's something I've been learning in the last year. Um, someone at New Wine summed up beautifully um, a new way of learning scripture, of reading scripture for me, which I'd like to read to you. You've heard of it before, it's called Lectio Divino. We need to read down deep into the word of God, read under the uh, words. We need to settle ourselves long enough to be comfortable with the word of God. We need to be present to ourselves, not thinking about Life outside, but be present to this moment and what God is wanting to say and do to us. We need to spend time pondering and weighing and consider what God's word is saying. We need to think about it. We need to weigh it. We need to remember that Isaiah says, I will waken you every morning with an ear that will listen. When we read the Bible deep, we, the, the reading of it will enable the Holy Spirit to kindle, to rekindle the fire of our love. It's an amazing way to read scripture. I would encourage you to have a look at it. 
Waiting for an answer is a time to remain in the love of Jesus, to come into a new place of intimacy with Jesus. It's a time to gaze on Jesus, to really look at him, knowing that he's looking at us long before we turn our eyes to look at him. Um, we're going to have a PowerPoint now, which I want you to read silently. Try and read it really carefully and slowly. Don't rush the lines. someone who loves to read out, to read aloud, like to read the last five, six lines, beginning with but. I've got a mic here. Who would like to read that? Pete. But in that silent baby, lying in that humble manger, that pulses more potential power and wisdom and grace and aliveness than all the rest of us can imagine. Our imaginations are a wonderful gift from God. Let's spend a bit of time beginning to gaze and imagine and allow the Holy Spirit to bring us into that place of great joy. So waiting is hard, whatever you're waiting for, but I want to encourage all of us to find a quiet place and to begin again to spread out our longings before Jesus. We have to be realistic. For those of us who um, are in a certain phase of our lives when our careers and our family life is all-consuming, it's, it's really important to stand back and say, well, I'm going to look at my whole week, and when is it realistic that I could spend an hour of that week just being in a quiet place with Jesus and placing my longings before him? The psalmist says, all my longings are open before you. And you know, Jesus wants to hear our voices. He wants to know our thoughts. He wants to know our hearts. And then he has so much to say back to us. So try and find a place Try and develop the habit of reading the scriptures very deeply. Not just for fascination, not just for information. They are soul food, the scriptures. You know, the Archbishop of Canterbury was asked when he first came into um, his responsibility, how do you read the Bible? What do you read? He said, I read something and I read it and I read it and I live with it and I pray with it until I've milked every single bit of meaning from it that the Lord has for me in a moment. <clears throat> You know, we have so much food. We have so much spiritual food. We can just, we just get kind of overwhelmed. Just let's, let's really dial down and take a little bit of scripture and go very deep. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit will show you. And we need to learn to be listeners. 
and it is hard to be a listener. It's really hard. I would recommend this book to you highly. It's by Charlie Cleverly. It's um, a book which is a meditation on the Song of Songs. We've actually um, spent a long time going through the Song of Songs as a church, but this is just an amazing book, and it's described as exploring the divine romance. And this is what he says about listening. We need spiritual exercises. Give some time to take stock of your inner landscape. It is a beautiful garden. Is it a beautiful garden or is it overgrown with thorns? Is it neglected, your inner life? Is it uncared for? Is it unfruitful? Buy a journal and use it to record your progress. Ask yourself some simple questions as often as you're able to get your journal out, and it's different for all of us. Where did I miss God yesterday? Or where did I miss God in this past week? Where did I meet God yesterday or this week? Begin to meditate imaginatively on the sights, the smells, and the sounds of Scripture. And you will start to hear God. So, what is our world waiting for? Let's have a few answers. What's our world waiting for? Peace. Sorry? Peace. Yeah, peace, yeah. Hope. Hope. Leadership. Brilliant. Unity. Unity. Yeah. Amazing. Justice. Sorry? Justice. Justice. Absolutely. Forgiveness. Justice. Forgiveness. Yeah. Compassion. Sorry? Compassion. Compassion. Yeah. Raquel. Absolutely. Compassion. What happens if they look at us and we're very cynical about Christmas? What happens if they look at us and we're a bit Scrooge-like? Oh, bah, humbug. Do they, do they sense hope? Do they sense peace? Is that really what they're looking for? There's an old vineyard song, and I can't, I can't quote it. The world is longing to see the church in victory. Actually, that's what the world is looking for. Us as whole, healed people who go out with good news. And did you know that the, the created world is waiting? At the book, in the beginning of the book of Romans, it says that all creation is on tiptoe, straining, longing for redemption, longing for the time when Jesus will return and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. You just have to look at what's going on in the climate and what's going on in the environment. Creation is longing, longing. I believe the world is looking for people who are going about their ordinary everyday lives and holding out a lifeline of hope. I believe the world is waiting to belong to a Christian community of ordinary people, people who welcome them, people who are prepared to take time to listen to their longings and listen, really listen to their stories, not rushing in to give advice, perhaps crying with them, perhaps laughing with them, but listening deeply with our hearts. That is what the world is waiting for. 
Many people have no one. Many, many families never sit down and listen to each other, Christian and non-Christian. When have we last sat down and listened to each other in our families? The world is waiting for us to be good listeners. They're waiting for us to be people who have ears attuned to heaven and listen on the earth. The world is waiting for someone and somewhere to show them how to find life wisdom in the most practical things. And we read in the Proverbs that wisdom calls out. She's like a table um, laden with the most amazing um, good food. Um, Rachel talked about the world looking for leadership. The world is just so muddled up about what leadership is about. It's looking for us to model good leadership in our families, in our workplace, in our church life. I believe the world is looking for people who have learnt what the fear of the Lord is. If you read the book of Proverbs, you will discover that the fear of the Lord is such an extraordinary um, release and place of discovery of emotional health and physical healing. When we fear the Lord, when we put him first, things start to really, really come into line in our emotional and in our physical lives. The world is waiting for us to be people of peace. It's very easy to just use that word, peace. Um, the world is looking for people who are at peace with themselves, with who God has made them. The world is looking for people who are at peace in their families and in their community. The world is looking for people who are at peace with their God. The world is waiting to meet Abba Father, Abba God, a God who doesn't stand at a distance. Our world is full of unfathered people. It's looking to see what being a father and having a father is all about. Our world is watching to see if we're living like slaves or like sons and daughters. Are we living out of striving and drivenness? Is our significance and our identity bound up in our work, in our um, responsibilities in church, in what we do, or is it bound up in the fact that we are children of the living God, loved and honoured and known. I had a picture, and I believe it is for someone here. It, it's about striving and drivenness and never stopping and, and being afraid to be on our own and all of those things. It's a picture of a washing machine, absolutely packed with washing, it's or probably much too full. And there's a mechanical failure on this and it's going round and round and round and round. And it's a little bit like some of our lives, round and round and all this stuff in there and I don't know what to do with it all. Jesus says, my peace I want to give to you. Not as the world knows. The world wants to hear our stories. The stories of how Jesus is changing us. The stories of how he is coming into our broken lives. Not just stories of years ago, but today. What has Jesus done for me today? What prayer has he answered? Where has he been? They're watching. Are we people who have good news of great joy? Are we enjoying the presence of God? 
Is our relationship with, life, with Jesus life-changing? Are we becoming a community of Jesus lovers who survive rather than strive? The world is waiting to hear these faith stories. The world is waiting to hear what sustains us in the harshest of circumstances. They want to know how it is when you don't have an answered prayer, how it is when things don't work out like you want them. They want to hear that. So we need to be able to tell them. And God's word says, how will they hear unless they have a preacher? And preacher doesn't mean someone who stands up the front like I'm doing this morning. It means someone who's prepared to say, this is how it is. This is how you can find hope and peace. And this is how you can survive in really, really hard times. And finally, Jesus is a waiting saviour. Jesus is waiting. Jesus is waiting until it's, right, it's time for him to come back and take us to be with him. He's waiting for men and women, ordinary, ordinary men and women who, like Mary, will surrender everything they have and are to him. He's looking for people who, without hesitation, will say, let it be according to your word. We live in desperate times. Jesus is waiting for us to surrender totally to him. That is the only way we will know joy. That is the only way we will know healing. That is the only way we'll move out of boredom and disillusionment and cynicism. Jesus waits. He's the patient waiting father. So there's this wonderful picture of the prodigal, in the prodigal story of the prodigal son where the father waits and watches. He waits and watches. And that's what he's doing now. Jesus is waiting. He's waiting for us to turn back to him. There's a lovely verse in the book of um, Revelation where um, it's John the Apostle um, describes Jesus um, standing at the door of our hearts and knocking. He's knocking. I wonder, do we find a quiet enough place where we can hear him knocking? And that is not just that those verses were not spoken to non-believers, but to believers. He's knocking. And he says, will you open the door? Will you let me come in? And will you begin to feast with me? To really learn to love me, to learn to watch me, and to learn to, uh, to be loved by me. In the whole of society, there is a longing at the deepest level of our existence for security, love, and freedom that only Jesus can bring. Jesus is waiting for us to move into that so we can go out with it. We're going to have um, some, a time of extended worship now. Um, I would love us, if we really, really want to invite Jesus back in again, or maybe in for the first time, to sing a verse of a carol. This is what it is. We've all sung it hundreds of times. Please only sing it if you really, really want Jesus to come. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, 
abide with us, our God Emmanuel. He is God with us and he's waiting to be invited in. So can I invite you to stand? Um, we'll sing this and then the band will come up. I would love to ask the prayer team to be ready to move around the church. Um, I want to remind you of those particular pictures, the washing machine that goes round and round and round and round. And it represents striving and not being able to stop and it might mean something else to you. And also the, the fact that there are people here who would love to have a song. They've got the song to sing, but they're inhibited for whatever reason. And they'd love to be described as a woman who's bursting with joy or a man who's bursting with joy, but something's in the way. And today is a day of deliverance. Jesus is here to set us free, to become the people that he wants us to be and the people the world wants us to be and the people we all want each other to be. So let's stand. A, a holy child of Bethlehem descends to us in prayer. <coughs>